0: Everett is the best there is at what he does, Bob. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Hey,
1: everyone, welcome to another edition of the Hall of Justice. And you thought after episode 200, that was it. We were done. We were ending the show. And we live on for more. Thank you to all the folks who th- uh, tweeted about. The 200th episode, we did a documentary. Uh, for those of you who haven't heard it, we did a docu-style recap of the two, the, the, just the five years and the 200 episodes. And it was a lot of fun. And you heard from a lot of voices and a lot of really interesting people over the course of the time. It's funny, though, that episode 199 was also well-received. We did our tribute to Chadwick Bozeman. Now, on that episode, we were supposed to have today's guest because... <laughs> This gentleman is one of the hardest working men in show business, and his new comedy special, it's one of the most unique stories, how a comedy special got made, uh, and is out in the ether, and it's out on iTunes, and it's great. I saw it recently. Uh, We were going to have him on the Hall of Justice to promote that, but Chadwick Boseman died, and no offense to Eddie Pence, but there was no way I was not going to do a tribute to Chadwick Boseman. But then... I didn't think the comedy unspecial was worthy of the 200th episode. So we bumped him two weeks. So now (laughs) finally I get to talk to Eddie Pence. And for those of you who don't know who Eddie is, you hear him on radio.com. He does a sports show. And yes, you can tweet me and ask, why isn't he on sports with friends? I understand. (laughs) Uh, But I actually know him. Uh, And and if you listened a couple of months ago when we had Kevin Smith on, I have talked about a guy who I thought is this amazing talent, this guy by the name of Ralph Garman. And when Ralph Garman was let go by a radio station, he created this podcast that I can literally unabashedly say is one of the funniest podcasts I've ever heard in my life. And it's called The Ralph Report. We'll talk about that as well. And Eddie Pence was a guy who was on it and he was funnier than ever. And every day I was like, this is a guy I feel like I know. And that's the key to podcasting is if you can make the audience feel like you know this person, it's pretty incredible uh eddie pence thank you so much for joining us welcome to the me. hall of justice and like i said i've heard so many of your podcasts already <laughs> i feel like i know you already i appreciate
0: this Seth. thanks
1: for having me on the
0: show uh i feel a little weird if this is like the the 201 it's like it's like you're like sort of like almost rebooting hall of justice yeah. <laughs> so i feel like that guy has been like re i re, i was the recast of like a famous actor like okay we're gonna try it now with like police academy six I was thinking Coy and
1: Vance from the yeah, Dukes I'm coy of Hazzard. Yeah, i and Vance of Dukes and Hazard. It's not going to go well. Um, <laughs> I was doing that. Um, c- congrats on the special. Thanks, man. I appreciate it.
0: It's been up for now a couple weeks. I think we uh, it premiered September first. So uh, right, that's
1: when we wanted to have you
0: on. That's we when we were, wanted, but you we know, were planning a,
1: You know, when we review the Avengers, we do it on time. <laughs> but but the unspecial, we go two weeks late. But that's on brand for the unspecial, so it's fine. <laughs> it really, really was. And if you, if you don't mind, because um, there's a lot of people that are listening to this show that it, it maybe know about your work you know, on, on any of your other shows. You also do other podcasts that I – I mean, I can't count the I'm amount of podcasts that you do.
0: I'm literally on – practically. I do the Ralph Report, like you mentioned. That's five days a week on patreon.com. I do uh, my radio.com uh, sports show called Swings and Misses, and that's five days a week, too. And then I do another uh, show. It's just sort of, maybe a little like the Hall of Justice. It's more about comic book stuff and right. pop culture stuff called The Ramble with a uh, fellow comedian, Jerry Rocha. And uh, we almost put, we put out about four different things a week. So that's almost a daily podcast itself. Oh so I'm doing like three daily podcasts. That's right
1: wild. Now. That's wild. exhausting. I've heard that show and I listened to it. I think it was when uh, The Last Jedi came out ah. and we eviscerated that film and- <laughs> I just wanted to hear someone else's perspective on it. And you guys were like, you were, you were gushing over it, and it, but oh, we you were doing it. it in a funny way. Like you weren't breaking down the plot or anything like that. And so I was just like, do these guys like that it happened? I, I couldn't get a gauge. <laughs> I couldn't the, tell. The Ramble
0: is a very uh, unique podcast. And the fact that it's just <laughs> basically it's myself, Jerry Rocha and uh, Cody. Uh, Cody who's a uh, film critic in uh, Houston, Texas. He calls in and it's just, two guys, three guys hanging out that just, we don't know where the show's going and we just talk. Right. We basically no just ramble. We ramble for an hour. That's what it is.
1: And, 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 and it's great. And it shows. It shows. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's no
0: plan involved in
1: that. Um, you know, one time you were talking about Optimus Prime and how sad it was that he died. <laughs> And I just was like, who yeah, are we, these
0: guys? I think, I think we, we correlated how Ultra Magnus is the Dave Campo of the Autobots. Because it's like Dave Campo at the Cowboys was given all these stars. And he had, like, he, had, he had the entire Dallas dynasty and he completely screwed it up. Whereas Ultra Magnus in the Transformers movie, literally like his force. He had the his, Matrix. He had the Matrix of leadership. He, and, he, and he tried to open it up. It is at like the first moment of adversity. He didn't even like, he's like, that was his darkest hour. There was like three Decepticons after him. And that was his darkest <laughs> hour. And he bails and tries to pull out. It's like, he's the uh, Dave Campo of the Autobots.
1: I remember, this is at least 10 years ago. Uh, and this is a sports reference, but you'll appreciate. Uh, I was working for the Phillies in 2011. And I was in the Phillies clubhouse. And I'm not an eavesdropper, but I heard Cole Hamels, talking about movies and what he was saying was that michael bay's the transformers is the greatest transformers thing he's ever seen oh did
0: you run up and punch him in the face and i
1: said i I said excuse me you're (laughs) out of your mind (laughs) like are you are you crazy are you insane and to this day i can't watch that young man pitch And I don't not think about that. Like he has such bad taste in Transformers movies, it has changed my whole perspective (laughs) on his playing career. And if I had a Hall of Fame vote, and I don't, but I wouldn't vote a guy that thinks Michael Bay's Transformers should be in the Hall of Fame. No,
0: that's right up there with uh, performance-enhancing drugs. I mean, uh, those two (laughs) things are disqualifiers for the Hall of Fame. I'm sorry.
1: It's like a movie steroid. Um, See, this is what I mean. This you go on (laughs) tangents. Um, It's all your fault. I'm sorry. Uh, tell me about so you've been doing stand-up comedy you've done comedy clubs and you you're you're doing it i mean yeah i've been doing gigs you're a you're a you're a a professional stand-up comedian
0: when we still had stand-up comedy before this pandemic i was i was a working stand-up comedian right i've been in the i've been doing it for about 20 to 23 years that's amazing um i've been you know i've had my tv spot i've been on late late show comedy central i've done tv gigs and I was working in the clubs. I, I kind of took a little break doing the club work about 10 years ago when I had a kid because I wanted to be home for my family. So okay. I would work clubs occasionally on the weekend. You know, every couple months I'd do some club work. But that's when I started getting into the podcasting thing because I could kind of stay at home and not sure. have to kind of work without having to travel.
1: Um, and then you – tell me the genesis of the special in that did you just one day say – I want to have a special, and I wish I could figure out how? Or did you see some of these weird causes that suddenly raise all this money on, <laughs> like, a crowdfunding? Like, or I could do or, that. Or, like it, the it, money's wh- just out there. What was the genesis? How, how did the whole um, thing – how did the special come about?
0: About a year before I started crowdsourcing for the special, I was – this was even before I joined the Ralph Report. This was, it was, like, a year prior to that, so this was probably, like – february 2018 okay. and i was like i want to do a special and i was like you know what i think if i could i have enough people that i know that have enough equipment and if i pull enough favors i can go to like a local comedy club here that has one of the smaller rooms so i don't have to worry about getting a huge crowd in there i and we can just do it very ultra low budget even if we did it on like three different iphones like i was thinking like ultra right, low budget right, right. just just to shoot it and make the whole idea and for that the
1: record those were iphone sixes so come yes. on yes
0: So that's still shot in 4k. You could still do it. Um, But I just want to do it as ultra low budget and sort of make that as part of the character of the special. Like I'm doing this as bare bones as possible. That's part of the charm of the special. So I was looking around and I I was toying around with it, doing it the ice house out here in Pasadena, which has a nice second stage. And I kind of just let the, the idea kind of fizzled for a while. And then uh, of May of that year, uh, Ralph Garman asked me to join him as his co-host on the Ralph report. And so I started doing that, and I started getting. And I lost. have
1: to understand that story, but let's stick to one story. Oh, I
0: so I got a lot of positive feedback being his co-host or his vice host, he as he calls me because my last name's Pence. And we started. I started getting a lot of people in the Garmy. Those are his fans, the Garmy. They started supporting me. So, like you know, a year later, February, January, February, 2019, I had some dates to perform. Uh, at the DC Comedy Loft in my hometown of Washington DC I was going back in April to perform I was like you know what I got a long weekend there I'm gonna have some friends that'll come to the show I know I can have a good crowd let me see if I can raise five or ten thousand dollars on one of these Indiegogo whatever crowdsourcing websites to see if you know what if I can get like 10 grand I'll get a higher film crew or at least very at the very least get a CD out of it so that's what I did I just put up on indiegogo hey i'm gonna shoot a comedy special i need ten thousand dollars pitch in what you can and literally two months later before we flew out in april i had raised fifteen thousand dollars it's amazing it was crazy it just so nice the general i mean now we i don't think that's possible with you know people are kind of strapped for money but like i said it was a different world in 2018 19 so people are very generous with their money And, and,
1: and and you're not you're not sitting on the street corner like with you with with a with a hat open you know asking no. well, you're saying we're trying this thing if you can it's great there's yeah. no obligation no it wasn't like you couldn't listen to the podcast if you didn't subscribe right. to the special
0: was, yeah i wasn't i wasn't stiff arm. i wasn't like you know breaking arms or anything but like as a comedian you always want to you always want to do that one hour special and i had yeah. been i had gotten my my five ten minute spots on tv and i just was having trouble Getting to that next level of like, you know what, I'm w- getting a company to produce a one hour special for me because it takes a lot of money. You get a Netflix or a Comedy Dynamics or whatever to f- upfront the money. So I'm like, you know what, if I can raise the money myself, I'll do it and then I'll see if I can sell it to one of those guys. That's, that's kind of what amazing.
1: happened. More of the Hall of Justice, but first a message from DC Comics and Warner Brothers Home Entertainment Stargirl, the complete first season. Stargirl was on the DC Universe, then moved to the CW, and it is a great show. And I'm not just saying that. It's now available on digital Blu-ray DVD. It's available September 29th, so next week, if you're listening to this on the day that it was released. It's about Jeff Johns and his career in comic books. He created Stargirl, lovingly inspired by his late sister, who was killed in a plane explosion courtney whitmore as she inspires an unlikely group of young heroes it's cute it has legacy in dc there's the justice society of america and then there's these teenagers and the villains have arcs to them and we had nelson lee on the podcast and he talks about the series and even though you don't ever see his face (laughs) we didn't know that at the time Uh, he's great and the storylines are great we're not going to spoil the end but it was a great first season and it got renewed for a season two Breck Bessinger is great she's fantastic we told you about Nelson Lee Amy smarts in it Luke Wilson uh, old-school himself (laughs) Luke Wilson is in it yeah he's great too Um, the whole show is just a lot of fun and again it was originally DC universe it was then on the CW That's where I saw it, and now it's out on Blu-ray, digital, and DVD, and it's great, and it can play with Voodoo and iTunes and all the available retailers that you can find. Uh, If you're quarantined and you haven't seen this yet, it's a great show. It's really enjoyable. Um, I would say it's as good as anything else with the CW, and uh, if you watch The Crisis on Infinite Earths, it's in it. It's it's part of it, so uh, it's all connected. Stargirl, the complete first season, is currently available to own on digital, Blu-ray, and DVD. Now back to the show. Uh, it's a it's a great story. And then and that was the thing, like you know i'll go weeks where i don't hear i mean you guys do this damn show every day every day
0: every day every day and
1: and you don't want to skip them but you have to sometimes because you can't uh you can't keep it going but all of a sudden it was you had raised seventy five hundred in like a week basically it was right and i i was like wow like there's these people are they, they what what i think the key to your show that you do with him. Um, and I, I, I know of the swings and misses show and I'm not saying it more than the other. It's not I, the rough reports. One of the funniest things. I've oh yeah. Heard.
0: But that, I mean, that's all Ralph. Ralph puts that whole, he puts his heart and soul. No, in I that, know that.
1: So. Oh, and I totally get that. But yeah. what, what my point being is that you guys, you just come off as good people. Like you, you don't come off as assholes and <laughs> there's there's something about radio hosts there are some radio hosts or some podcast hosts that i i, I don't know that bill simmons has that kind of loyalty he yeah. has that kind of audience he
0: does ralph is a very genuine person ralph is a very hard-working person he's a ball buster but he's one of the absolute nicest kindest human beings i've ever met in my life and just giving me and the opportunity to be Yeah, you can, yeah, you can feel that you can tell he's a very genuine person and he loves giving people chances and opportunities. And he, he's, he's giving of his time and his money and opportunities. Like he let me come on that show. And that's in effect, do it coast in that podcast in a way changed my life in that's a amazing. much in a, in a hugely positive way. And I, I can never thank
1: him enough for that. Do you mind uh, uh, telling that story a little bit? Like how did that come about? You knew him and you know, he was, he had done this Hollywood Babylon, which had the title they don't they just don't do enough shows to still be the funniest podcast out there yeah i mean uh, well, it,
0: cuz it's such a live show and without right. having live audiences they can't do it it's such a but
1: that and that show i you know i i follow that show so you know real quickly my history with with podcasting is really really ancient because i worked for major league baseball in 2003 and i've told this story on the show before but in 2003 um we had an exclusivity deal we were originally on Sirius Radio, and then we moved to uh, this exclusivity deal that baseball had agreed to with, remember Real Audio? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is in 2001. Yeah. And we were on Real <laughs> Audio. And I remember at the end of the 2003 season, so the Marlins had just beat the Yankees, I was sitting in a room, and I, I would take the credit if, I, if it was my idea. It's, it's not my idea but someone of the 30 people that were in that conference room for MLB decided that they could take a certain portion of our MLB radio show and make an mp3 and replace the link on mlb.com's website the live link with this mp3 that people could then download and put on this new device the iPod <laughs> and we so didn't that's know. the birth that's the genesis of the it could be podcast? i mean we, I may be one of the world's worst, first podcasters. <laughs> I, I don't know, because I've never researched it. But this was 03, and this was way earlier than I had ever heard it. And as a matter of fact, in 04, my late, great partner, uh, the great Daryl Hamilton, we were doing this radio show, and we knew that the size of the MP3 could only be 45 minutes. Like, yep. that, was the, the way that, that was the way that it would be accessible. They did a bunch of surveys and, and fan you know, interaction. And they were like, you know, how long would you, do, you know, how big a file would you put on your iPod to listen to the show on demand? And 45 minutes was, was what it would, t- so it would be our open and our best guests. Like right. that, that's, how, that's how it would go. And I just remember uh, idiots would call up uh with dumb trade ideas you know this is the early 2000s so it's like you know i want to trade noma to the oakland a's and you know stupid stuff like that and that would happen and daryl would go because he had heard this word and he would go dude you're not going to get on the podcast like that that that, you can't come with that you're gonna have to bring an a game if you're gonna come on a podcast and i was like what's a podcast (laughs) And you remember uh, the Seinfeld episode where Elaine has all the, t- the sponges. Oh yeah. 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 You know, are you sponge worthy? Oh, yeah. Sponge worthy. We created podcast worthy. Are you podcast worthy? And you think your segment is good enough to make a podcast. And we <laughs> mocked the word. And then all of a sudden, Ricky Gervais started doing a podcast and then Kevin Smith started doing the yeah. podcast. And I just fell in love with it. And literally it's been a part of my life since before it was even a word. So for someone that like that Ralph was was and Kevin were doing this this Hollywood show was so funny and like literally laugh out loud funny yeah and that wasn't happening with a lot of podcasts like it was, the 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 cream definitely has risen to the top and now you see such creative things in the podcasting space but they had this niche and when i found out that and I, he was on an episode of Hollywood Babylon and he just says i got fired by K-rock and you know radio is dying as an industry yes yes i mean we all know we're not i'm not doing a podcast on that um (laughs) you know there's people listening to this like when are they gonna fucking talk about superheroes already (laughs) um but when ralph created this his own podcast and it was three bucks i said for three bucks you get to hear this genius three bucks i didn't know what it was going to be yeah it was it was wild and then you came on and Like I said, the way it goes, you guys talk about your lives so much that I literally feel like I know you. Like, I I don't know your wife. I feel like I know your wife. I feel like if I saw your kid, I would know it's your kid. It's so wild. Well, that's the
0: cool thing about podcasting and the thing that I've learned doing so many podcasts over the last three or four years, and literally three a day almost, that the podcast audience is different than, like, the radio audience or any other audience because they feel – a podcast listener feels like they're listening in on a conversation to a couple of friends. Like they feel like they're part of the conversation. They It's a more intimate thing than a radio broadcast. And you you build that connection with your podcast listeners. They become family. They become friends. Some of my, my good friends I've made in the last few years have become were podcast listeners of the Ralph Report or Swing to Misses wild. or That's the Ramble. It's crazy.
1: That's crazy. Congratulations. Uh, oh. <laughs> congratulations. Congratulations. We'll be back with more of the Hall of Justice. But first, I have to tell you about another podcast I do. And yeah, we talk about it from time to time. But anybody who knows my career knows it's a sports broadcasting career. Yes, I love the Hall of Justice so much. I also started a podcast that is called Sports with Friends. It's a play on words because my mother always played words with friends. And I thought, wouldn't it be neat to see if I have as many friends in the industry that could come on a show and be open and honest and have a friendly chat? So I started the podcast and said every guest is a friend. But then I found out that some of my friends are in PR and they book guests for the show. And they've asked me to put people i am just meeting. So now every guest is a friend or a friend of a friend. We play Jewish Geography. Some of the past guests on this show can be really close friends like Dave Softy-Mahler or Andrew Siciliano. and Some of them are big icons that are also friends. Ken Griffey Jr. thinks he made my career. Martin Brodeur, the best goalie in the history of the NHL. And we also tackle big topics. We'll find out about cord cutting for a sports fan or the life and death of Kobe Bryant. And then there was Nancy Lieberman's appearance what a story she had to tell. And then there's Eli Manning, who's been on the podcast five times and counting. All I know is if you listen to Sports with Friends, you'll hear some great guests. You'll hear so many stories, and you'll feel like you know not only them, but me. Check out Sports with Friends wherever you can get your podcast. And If you're listening to this one, I guarantee you, you'll find Sports with Friends right there. Uh, one thing I've noticed. Watch this professional segue. Um, one thing I've noticed is the instant something superhero genre comes up on the Ralph Report, you perk up. Like <laughs> you're like he'll tell you about some Marie Antoinette in 18th century, and you're like, uh huh, that's cool. <laughs> and then and then something of the you know robert pattinson has COVID, and you're like what, what are the what is that what,
0: what's that going to happen they shut down production are they not going to make the movie what,
1: what are they going to do <laughs> where is it going to go and you, you you know he doesn't let you get into that uh aspect and that's where i thought you could kind of flex your muscles and and i know you have strong opinions about a lot of stuff and it's so funny to watch because you know dc seems to be reinventing themselves and there's this w- weird rumor that Warner Brothers wants to sell them. And really, just you just wonder whether or not DC is. I I, I don't know the, the the constant comic book rebooting, the uh, the films that seem like it it seems like every two years they have a new destination. They have a well, it seems like they're trying to plan. reset
0: all the time constantly but what happened that like the reason i'm excited about dc right now the dc universe is what they did last year with the arrowverse when they brought in the you know they did the crisis, like the crisis on infinite earth so and i'm like it's it was the most brilliant way to sort of reset all of their properties but not throw everything away like they literally went no these are all just different earths that all this has happened just like in the comic books you know like uh ben affleck's batman is coexisting with adam west's batman right in a different unit in a different multiverse and it was great and it was just a, a beautiful way to sort of almost retcon Justice League and Batman vs Superman and sort of just like you know what you can like these but you can also like these because it's all part of the greater DC universe. I thought that was brilliant.
1: I th- and I think the CW shows are so good. Um, yeah. I you know I I hold them to a very high standard and it's so interesting because Supergirl is one of those shows that I, for some reason, I scrutinize a ton. Um, and I don't, I, don't, I don't know why. It's, I, it's because I love her, I think. that—that yeah. that, I mean, she, she embodies that character, and she's so brilliant. And what she represents is so strong, and she's such a great role model. But <laughs> um, there were two instances, and I wanted to ask your opinion on Supergirl, that I didn't understand. And one of them is it has to do with race. Well, both of them technically have to do with race. Yeah, And that is, it's just, Supergirl, I thought was, ne- Supergirl, to me, the analogy is she's Robin. Like, Supergirl is to Superman what Robin is to Batman. Okay. She's yeah, the yeah, yeah. sidekick. And if you yeah. think about comics and even the DC animated movies, which are amazing, and we, we talk about them constantly on this show, um, there's no, there's never a great Supergirl story that doesn't have Superman in it. Right. Doesn't mean she's not the star, but like in this, in the first season, when she's texting with Clark Kent, and I'm like, come on, like <laughs> every bad guy, where is he? Why isn't he there? Like, right. I, I, I It made you want something, and in Supergirl, the the two that I railed against was um, the Martian Manhunter. Uh-huh. Now I understand on a TV budget, you can't on a TV budget you can't have him be green all the time. I I totally get that. Yeah, and I I, David Harwood's a great actor, but they run a plot where he goes to Mars and finds out there's a bunch of Martians that are alive. (laughs) So he goes to Mars, and they all can't be green either. But why are they all black? Because if you could shape into anything, wouldn't one guy be an Asian guy and one guy be a a Native American guy and one guy be black and one guy be white? Like if you're if you're shape shifting. Why would everybody shape shift into a black person?
0: Maybe that one guy, the first guy that did it, like, oh, dude, that looks cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> dude,
1: I want to do that. <laughs> Look how hung that dude is. That was wild. And the other one was Kara's um, uh, uh, <laughs> sister. Kara's sister is, is, she gets engaged to yeah. Maggie Sawyer, who's been in the comics. Never in a comic book did I ever see her as Mexican. And her right. Mexican father didn't approve of being a lesbian. And that's, they're, they're playing on the current events. Right. And the father says to Maggie <laughs> Sawyer, it says, you know, they're trying to build a wall against us. <laughs> and I, what I said on this podcast was, Linda Carter's the president and she's building a wall. Should Linda Carter's building the wall. Like, <laughs> like, you're, really like Linda Car- of- you're in Metropolis, you're in National City. Why are you bringing these headlines to yeah. it? And that's what I mean by holding those shows to this high standard. Like you, you've given us such great things now tweak them. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I, I mean,
0: I don't like the, I use a lot of that stuff as escapism and I don't always necessarily like a lot of the social stuff and the political stuff to bleed into right. that. I I'd right. rather just have my escapism. I know some things are bigger than that. Like the Watchmen series on HBO uh-huh. was spectacular. Amazing. It and great. it was a great, to me, it was a perfect blend of the social justice issues along with continuing the lore of what the Watchmen were.
1: And if, and if, and if Zack Snyder's movie is your lore, it holds yeah,
0: up. Exactly. It totally holds up. Yeah, it might be the greatest sequel thing ever done right. to an original uh, story. It really is. it's crazy crazy.
1: and you didn't know he was dr manhattan until the very very end no the whole thing and then you didn't know then you you find
0: out he's on a what's his face is on a a moon of venus and you're like what is happening and that's and that's
1: ozymandias and ozymandias yeah yeah that's crazy too
0: the whole series is phenomenal but like i don't mind like if you do it right i don't mind but when you try to shoehorn it into a you know like a supergirl storyline or whatever it's just like don't do that don't 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 ruin my escapism with your with your political stance right now
1: what's your okay you mentioned Watchmen. what's your like your go-to right now like what's if you weren't doing this podcast because i mean you do have a family and i i hope you spend a little time with
0: them i've seen them occasionally
1: but i but i have shows that i'll watch with my wife that i won't watch you know i'm not watching the boys with her Right, you know, you know um, what I mean. Like, I'm not watching no. the Umbrella Academy with her.
0: Right, it's hard because my my wife doesn't really dig the superhero stuff that much, so I don't really watch too much she must, of that. She'll definitely
1: listen to this then.
0: Yeah, <laughs> she's her <first> subscriber. <laughs> um, but my son loves it, and we go through these phases where, like, right now we're rewatching the MCU from in chronological order. From oh, we cool. just we just finished. Uh, uh, Thor, so we're getting ready to watch Avengers even though that they weren't released that way because Captain America comes next. Right, we watched from right. chronological Georgia where Captain America was first. Okay. So my son and I would kind of go through this and then I think next we're probably going to go back into D.C. because waiting for the, the Snyder cut of the Justice yep. League to come out.
1: Which now they say is a miniseries which is so good.
0: Well, it's four hours. The cut's like a four hours, so you almost have to have it. If you
1: split it up and even if you made me watch it in four weeks, could you, you'd be captivated. Yeah,
0: I don't. I'm. I'm probably gonna watch it all in one four hours. <laughs> I'm because I wasn't like I didn't like Justice League. I wasn't a big fan of it. But when they released that trailer and you saw Superman in the black suit, and you're like, okay, what what did I? And then you saw Dark Side, and you saw the new Steppenwolf, and you're like, okay, what did I miss in this original cut? What did you guys do that you left Why'd all this out? And and
1: and. and- you know, and and like I said, I uh, you know, Zack Snyder is the reason I still have this podcast. So yeah. the fact that we have any sponsors on this show is is <laughs> is because of Zack Snyder. So I and I don't deny that part. But the the idea he had a, a an awful tragedy happen in yes. his personal life, and a lot of people assumed that because of the vitriol against Batman v Superman, that he was fired off of Justice League. Yeah. And I don't think he was. And I just wonder, did DC push him out the door, you know, using the opportunity? It, you know, it's kind of like an athlete, you know, opting out when you're hitting 150 because of COVID concerns, not right. your batting average. Right. And, and just this idea that you could, um, that Joss Whedon was coming off Avengers and he was the hot guy and you could lighten it up and there are some of the corniest lines. Oh, it doesn't, admit, it doesn't it, fit at when, all. When he said, "I'd rather be dead,"
0: and like, so bad. Like oh I, I think it was that perfect storm of you know Snyder had that tragedy, plus they were panicking because of the the reviews for Batman v Superman, and then Joss Whedon coming out of Avengers Two: Age of Ultron. There's sort of like this is a perfect storm of like, okay, why don't you just take a break, Zach, and we'll just finish it with. Joss and we'll try to lighten it up because that was the big complaint that all the DC movies were too dark. They need to be fun like the Avengers movies. And it was just this piece together, two different things trying to fit into one jar, and it just wasn't good.
1: You know, the weirdest the weirdest part uh, about all of that is I just I always have this phrase called change for change's sake. Like they made Superman, and this is this is how the whole Zack Snyder thing started because all I, all I said about Zack Snyder was it, it was changed and people are reticent to, to deal with change. And I'm not saying everything has to be uh, Christopher Reeve. You yeah. know, that, that, that's, I'm not suggesting that, but you know, my, my favorite story about Superman, and this was in a magazine and it was, I was in college. So it was in the nineties. And I remember Bruce Timm, uh, the animation wizard um, said that writing Superman is hard. And it's hard because he's so powerful. And yeah. to me, that that makes me appreciate – I'll make a sports analogy. That makes you appreciate uh, Peyton Manning. And that makes you appreciate uh, uh, Joe Montana and Dan Marino because being a quarterback is hard. Yeah. And writing Superman is hard. So when it's written really well, that's a really good thing. Yeah. I
0: agree. I agree. I mean, I, mean, I wasn't the biggest fan of Man of Steel because I – I, I just, I again, I hated the what's that?
1: I couldn't stand that movie.
0: I, I just, I hated the way it, they they washed out all the color. They took they took the brightness away from Superman, and to me, that's what Superman. You do it fine Save with Batman, a
1: cat out of a tree.
0: Yeah, Save, have some of that because that's who Superman is. Don't try to make Superman Batman. That's not who he is. Um, but on the other hand, like I'm excited about what the DC universe is, and again, that's where it comes back to this: the way they did the Crisis on Infinite Earth and they sort of brought. The DCU, the DCU Flash into the WB Flash. And you're like, so oh my God, this is, this is all connected. I, oh, nobody I, knew. <laughs> I, I don't have to hate the Zack Snyder, the Snyderverse, because I love the original Batman, Tim Burton Batman. It's all the same stuff. I can, I can get into this. And now that you hear that Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck might be coming back for the Flash movie, you're like, oh, it's everything. I don't have to hate anything. I can love it all
1: it's 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 wild and it makes you want to rewatch those movies um i remember one thing and you guys said this on when joel schumacher died yeah and there was a rumor that there is a joel schumacher cut of batman forever yeah like three hours and it's really dark and i was like sign me up oh my god i want that i actually enjoyed that that's something i would never i could go through my whole life not knowing that existed and i never (laughs) would have realized it but now i want to see that I I would love to see
0: more I thought Jim Carrey was a great Riddler. I enjoyed him as the Riddler. I wasn't too big on Tom Lee Jones' Two Face, but I wouldn't mind seeing a three hour cut of Batman Forever. Why not? I would
1: totally be in I would totally I'd be down for, be that. In, in, in for that. You mentioned you're watching the MCU in chronological order. Is that how you watch the Star Wars movies with your son? Do you um, do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine? Or did you do four, five, six, one, two, three, seven, eight,
0: nine? It was weird. Before I had a kid, I'm like, I'm going to show him four, five, six. I want Empire Strikes Back. I want the reveal of uh, uh, I'm Your Father. I want that to be as big and epic for him as it was for me because I saw that in the movie theater when sure. I was a kid. I remember that moment. Sure. That that and then Captain America catching Molnir are two of the greatest moments in yeah. cinema history yeah. for me. And uh, I wanted him to have that. But the thing is, it took a while to get my kid into Star Wars. He was about four or five, and I was trying to show him the movies, and he wasn't, it wasn't clicking with him. And then, so we ended up going into, the way I got him into Star Wars, we were watching the Star Wars Lego cartoons.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's how he got hooked into Star Wars. And so, by, by that point, everything was spoiled if you watch those. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, let's watch this. But the thing should. that got me, that I forgot how emotional it was, was when he first watched Return of the Jedi for the first time, when uh darth vader finally decides to chuck palpatine down the hole
1: yeah
0: yeah he's he he welled up in tears watching that Uh,
1: wow
0: watching darth vader save his son and sacrifice himself and i I forgot the emotional weight that that actually had because i was too busy going why did george lucas put the no in there Uh, (laughs) because that ruined it for me and
1: that ruins it because i i'll tell you if you see and i don't did you see the end of clone wars the finale yes. of Clone oh Wars, God. which coincides with episode three. So good. And it's so good. And episode three, if you rewatch episode three, and I'm sure you have, that's a really dark movie. And that yeah. fight scene between Anakin and Obi-Wan is out, out of this world. Yeah. I mean, you, it's, you a great, it's a great, it's, it's not a flawless movie. It's a no. great movie
0: though. Yeah. And, and especially if you watch all of Clone Wars and you have a much deeper appreciation of the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin, that that fight means so much more when you saw everything they went through
1: and i apologize because when they announced another season of clone wars when they came out with disney plus and announced that i said another one and they're like well we didn't get to wrap it up and i'm like yes you did it's episode three like (laughs) you, you i know how that ends and i i didn't understand it i i I have a big apology to to no, they they give a crap, but they, they, they <laughs> Dave Filoni, <laughs> sorry Dave Filoni, Dave Filoni. <laughs> like like uh, I I just I felt really badly and you might know a mutual friend of ours uh, J C Reifenberg, J C I don't J C owns the uh, Scum and Villainy Cantina. Okay, yeah, yeah. So J C is uh, my old producer at MLB.com. Oh wow, <laughs> so wow. We would ride the D train, go to Yankee Stadium to film this the Yankee show, and we would talk Star Wars constantly. And the fact that he owns a Star Wars bar That's so is, funny. is wild, and he's our Star Wars insider. So whenever something Star Wars comes up, he's back on, on the show. He's and, got
0: all the inside stuff.
1: Right, and he, he, he breaks it all down. And um, I will still recommend his review of The Last Jedi is probably one of the great it'll make you cry does he, tear he was it apart? so yes. hurt he was so <laughs> angry and it made me more angry and it was so I funny have the feel.
0: opposite i have the opposite feelings about that movie
1: really oh i we could have led with this
0: forget your own special i love i love i i, had, I for swings and misses last february or last december i got to interview ryan johnson he was on the show mm-hmm. and I'd, I'd like that movie anyway. I went in, I'd like that movie. I, I understand why people were upset with the way Luke was portrayed or whatever. Um, but I had my sort of ideas of where Luke would go after the original trilogy. And then talking with Ryan and hearing how he was such a Star Wars fan as a kid and how he loved those movies. And the moments he took from Return of the Jedi that led him to create Luke's character and where Luke's character would go for Last Jedi, was it just, it hit home for me. And it, it, I, I really understood that. As opposed hmm. to having this, you know, Luke be this hero figure and sort of take on the whole First Order. Having him being the reluctant hermit who realized how powerful he was. And that scene in Empire Stri- in Return of the Jedi when Darth Vader is down, he's standing over him and he looks at his hand and he's like, and he won't turn. But he's not, he's not stopping that because he's trying to save his father at that point. He knows that if he does that, he's got so much power in him that he would be unstoppable that if he did that he's saving the universe by not fighting by running away he's saving the galaxy and that hit home for me
1: my my issue was um it wasn't even luke skywalker like yeah luke skywalker when he tosses the lightsaber and basically like that's his lightsaber and he just tosses it and i thought that was mark hamill being the guy on twitter that's funny or the guy that would read donald trump's tweets as the joker that's that's another funny podcast he created this podcast where all he would do is as the joker mark hamill would read donald trump's tweets and they were so funny it was so (laughs) but that's like that's where I, i i thought he was going my um my issue with it was like ray and kylo ren they become friends for a minute and now they're fighting alongside each other and they can't beat a bunch of red troopers and like they're getting their ass hanging handed to them and it was just it was so all over the place and it just seemed like it was i hate that phrase but it was change for change's sake and i think there was a path when they when jj J. abrams created force awakens he started something and what i hate is is that Rat Rise of skywalker to me at least is it's like a it's like a reversal it's it's like fixing what Ryan johnson had changed well they yeah they they, they redcon kind of so well. the, the whole stuff and i don't think palpatine was ever coming back i don't think so either i
0: but what what bugged me about it like i last jedi is not a perfect film it's got its holes i i I think there was a lot of comedic stuff in there that didn't need to be in there. Cause that takes away from the moments. Um, I just like, I liked Luke's character, but as far as what you're saying with JJ and what force awakens did, Lucasfilm screwed up by not having an outline to go with. They just did the first movie and then they basically turned it over to Ryan Johnson. Okay. What do you want to do with it? And then he did what he wanted to do with it. And they're like, Oh, that's not what we had planned. I'm like,
1: then you should have told right, him what you JC's had to point. JC's point is there's no Kevin Feige. There's no, there's no, puppet master that's yeah. kind of pointing everybody and know, that's what kathleen kugler got to make his own black panther movie but it was in the context yes. of a bigger universe
0: they have to fit within that overall narrative of what star wars is and i liked ryan johnson's movie but it's not his fault that it doesn't connect with force awakens or feed into what they wanted in episode th- episode nine he made the movie they they told him to go make your movie and he made it
1: right
0: if they want him to do something different they should have told him which apparently they didn't because he was already when I was
1: interviewing. But how does that? How does something happen that's a billion dollar investment? I don't nobody's, know. Like you and I have uh, focus groups that we have to go to, and you get listening sessions, and they're scrutinizing every word. If you guys screw up something on the Ralph report, there's 17 people completely Letting me know. I know. Oh, I know. Nobody read through Ryan Johnson's script and said, "Wait a minute." And on were, the on the Blu-ray, Mark Hamill's ripping the script. I, on I don't. The Blu-ray. I don't get it because when we were
0: talking with Ryan about it, he was literally finishing up writing uh, last Jedi as they were premiering force awakens. Like they didn't even know, like it was, like there was just no seemed to be no continuity, no communication between Ryan Johnson and what he was trying to do and what Kathleen it. Kennedy and Lucasfilm wanted which you give two disjointed films. Now what they should have done with Rise of Skywalker, just go ahead and follow along what Ryan Johnson was doing and don't try to retcon everything. Just go, right. with, go don't, with that. Don't,
1: don't put your ego aside and just run with it and yeah. say, this is the hand you're dealt. Let's, let's make a grand finale. Don't try to uh, make
0: episode nine connect to episode seven and forget episode eight was there.
1: Um, two Star Wars questions then. Um, do you need to ever see an episode 10? Cause I'm done. I, I I'm good with, with the way they did. And I love the idea that in the timeline, there are these two gaps, the, the gap between three and four and the gap between uh, six and seven. Yeah. You know, you had to make force awakens 30 years later because Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher and Mark yeah. Hamill had aged and you had, you, you couldn't play it off. Like that was five years later, right. you know, but you made it 30 years later. So you have this treasure trove and that's where you get shows like the Mandalorian you yeah. get uh, Rogue One. which Clone Wars, Clone Rebels, Wars, Rogue One. Um, yeah. And I have a pitch, and I sent this to Kevin Smith, and I have this idea. You know that scene in Rise of Skywalker, the flashback to Luke and Leia on, in the forest training? Yes. And it's in the, like, CGI young? Yeah. Right? Give me – get Dave Filoni, do your animation. Give <laughs> me a Luke and Leia miniseries on Disney+. Plus. You get Mark Hamill to voice Luke. You get Billy Lord to voice Leia, and you do give me just tell take me through that. Oh take yeah, I'm me all through, about that. and just give me you know ten episodes of what happens between you know wh- when they go to whatever forest that is, and and give me that training story. And I think that's what you like. There's so much untouched story in there. Yeah. that you can keep doing shows and Kenobi shows and Mandalorian shows and all, oh, these, all these kinds of shows. And you never have to take it to another place. Like let 30 years go by before you see an episode 10.
0: We don't, I don't think we need any more Skywalker saga. I'm fine. I don't, I mean, I like. I, I, I liked Ray. I like that character. I don't need to see, I don't need to see it again. Really. I, I like everything they're doing. And that universe is so grand that they created. There's so many places to go with it. You can go back to the old Republic. You can go, 30 years in the future again. You can do more Mandalorian shows, like Cassian Andor shows coming up. Like play around in those worlds that you created cuz some of the best Star Wars came out of that stuff. Mandalorian, Rebels. I mean, some of the best Star Wars is in Rebels season 2 if you ask me. Like the whole Darth Maul thing at the end the last two episodes of uh, Rebels in season 2 are some of the best Star Wars. Oh, that's I've ever
1: amazing. Seen. That's amazing. Ezra uh, when Kanan loses his eyes. Yeah, some of the best Star like- Wars that's, that's great stuff. It's, it's, it's really great. And they, they do. And that's what I want to see. I don't want to see, I don't
0: need to see any more sky. I don't need to see Palpatine ever again. Palpatine can go away. I like Palpatine, but he can go away. I don't need He to- had his
1: moment. He had his, his day, his day in the sun. You put uh, Endgame up on that pedestal, huh? It's that good. That last
0: act of Endgame. that three hour, that uh, first two hours. I, I, I sit, you sit those two first two hours to get to that third hour. And that third hour is just, I know it's, it's comic book porn in a way. It's just, it's sort of tying in all the last 22 films and it's just cheap pop after cheap pop. And I, I'm fine with that because it was just that hour. I was just excited. I was, I hadn't watched a movie like that and been that excited to see a movie on the screen as I, since I was probably a kid watching Star
1: Wars. And you didn't know you, I mean, you knew they were coming back. One of my criticisms of infinity war was the snap yeah because black panther had just made a billion dollars and killing black panther made no sense you had just wrestled spider-man away from sony <laughs> why are you killing spider-man and superman had just died in batman v superman and everyone mocked it and i just said well can we hold marvel to the same standard like you just killed all these people and it's no secret you're bringing them back and there, there's, no, there's, no, there's no mystery on that. There
0: was no weight to those deaths at all because you knew, but, and if, if you knew the story and from the comics and then you also knew that literally as soon as Infinity War came out, they announced uh, Spider-Man 2 and a Black Panther right? 2. I mean, they had like, already announced what? those things and a Guardian of the Galaxy 3. So you, there was no weight to those deaths. And I agree. It was still a, a downer of a note to end a movie on to see them all disappear. And it, it hit me a little bit, but not the same way as like, okay, I know they're all coming
1: back but I thought brilliantly that you go two hours into that movie and you don't know they're coming back and you're like, yeah. they're supposed to come back, but you don't know when, and when they come back, you're still surprised. Yeah. And we, we, you know, when we did the, uh, the tribute to Chadwick Boseman, um, I think that hit two of his great performances are not in black Panther. The movie, the, the infinity war, when he takes charge and I know the line that he ends with it, get this man, his shield. And, yeah. you know, you go here and you go here and you go here and you get yeah. like, that's get minute, some yeah. of the best acting you've ever seen. And when he wants to kill Zemo in Civil War and yes. he hesitates. Yes. And that's brilliant. I mean, some of Black Panther's brilliant stuff is not in Black Panther. And that look that he gives Chadwick Bozeman steals it when he looks at Steve Rogers. Just yeah. the just the thank you. I got it look like he the, the, yeah. no words take place i and mean it's, it's
0: brilliant that was also i think too in the movie that was the handing off of the mantle of the mcu to chadwick boseman to carry the next phase of the franchise that was captain america going you take it now yeah you know what i'm saying like it was sort of like that was what that was supposed to be unfortunately we're not going to get that but that way that's why that moment brings me goosebumps every time because it's them visually going it's yours now you take it
1: did you, on any of your 700 shows, and we can wrap at <laughs> this, um, did you, on any of your uh, 700 shows, did you um, speculate when Marvel found out? Because that's where we went. Oh, and I I don't know. When did Marvel know? And here's my evidence. And, and it's circumstantial, and I'm guessing, but okay. it's pretty sound evidence. Do you remember... When they announced Disney Plus, it was at a D twenty three something conference. That uh that presentation is on Disney Plus. You can yeah. see it's called Assembling a Universe or whatever. Yeah, I've watched it. There's no mention of Black Panther 2. Yeah. And I think that social media pushed them to announce a film that they weren't planning on making. And the circumstantial evidence, the reason why my brain went in a different direction and I didn't realize it was i don't i ryan coogler didn't direct creed 2 yeah and it was a money fight and he's allowed i mean he was he's a great filmmaker yeah but he didn't direct creed 2 and i thought that chadwick boseman was signed but they didn't have ryan coogler signed and that's why they didn't announce black panther 2 in hindsight maybe they knew and that's why they announced phase 4 and never touch on black panther 2 and I'll if I'm betting, and I'm not betting on this, I don't think there is a Black Panther two. I don't know what they're gonna like. I think that, didn't they didn't announce Black Panther
0: two at Comic Con last year in Hall eight, and then that was it. Then they dropped
1: it right a- after, and COVID helped because yeah. everything's delayed, and you haven't seen Black Widow yet. But this and Black Widow the movie no one needs because we know how her story ends. <laughs> the, this this idea that. I think they knew. I genuinely, you know, now I'm that I've sure had a couple of weeks, to. they had to. And for insurance purposes,
0: on the other films, they would have to know,
1: They'd right? Have to get but a Endgame film. is filmed before Black Panther. But he was diagnosed in two thousand sixteen. Correct. So he, he they, th- so Civil War is already filmed. Yeah. So they didn't have. He didn't have to disclose anything because he didn't have it when he films Civil War, and he gets it when they're filming Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah. And I. I kind of think that they kind of saw this. I'm sure and they knew back then. I, I I genuinely think that they're not going to do it. And this this Twitter stuff about Shuri and what you're going to do. And I don't think you do it. And I think you can kill Black Panther. Um, you can kill Black Panther in another movie. Because yeah. you killed the you killed the father in civil war. Like yeah. you don't need to have black Panther two and you can kill black Panther.
0: I mean, and you introduced black Panther, not in his own movie, you introduced him in right. civil war and some of his best moments are outside of black Panther.
1: Right. And black Panther's an amazing movie. Hey, absolutely. Those,
0: amazing film. Amazing uh, film.
1: You know, it, it, I don't know. I, I don't know. And that's it's interesting.
0: There might be so much pressure though, from the fan base to have a black Panther too. They may be forced into sort of, writing one and putting one out there would you recast i would just pass the mantle on to someone else i don't think i'd recast a you know a king chakala i don't think i would i don't know how you could i don't know what actor would want to take that role on i would think you would just pass it on i think you somehow
1: twice he literally died twice yeah (laughs) in these dramatic scenes he's just gonna die off camera like i I don't know and this was my carrie fisher thing just to bring it back to star wars you knew she died before Last Jedi came out. She's exploded in a thing. You have a chance to kill her off and it's in the plot and she becomes Mary Poppins and flies through space.
0: Yeah. I don't necessarily agree. I think they want I think they were they wanted to have that last moment between Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill that they filmed. I think that's why to me at least that's why you would keep her in that movie. Otherwise But you knew
1: but before you finished Last Jedi, you knew she died. Yeah. It came out when when Rogue One came out. Right. It, she died right around right, that Right, because they, they, and they CG, and that was brilliant. When they yeah. CGI her.
0: And then you have a whole year to do reshoots if you have to, to shoot around it. But I think they wanted that Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher moment, because everyone bitched about not having the Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher moment in the first one. They wanted at least to have that connection with the original cast members.
1: It's, 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 it's truly wild. I could literally feel, I feel like I could do this for hours. <laughs> Oh, I absolutely could. I I really appreciate you doing this. I know how busy you are. And I have a weird way of ending this podcast. And I thought about what I was going to say. It's a weird way of asking this question. Yeah. (laughs) Do you care if anyone... (laughs) Here's quotes. Do you care if anyone subscribes to the Ralph Report? Do I care? Do you care... I do. I, I like I like it growing. I like it growing. I mean, it fi- financially. I don't
0: get a I don't get a kickback okay. from a new subscriber. <laughs> okay.
1: No, I don't. So, so at the end of it, at the end of this podcast, it's not subscribe to the Ralph Report. I
0: I, I subscribe because I like I said I'm eternally grateful for Ralph for everything okay. he's done for me. So I want I want his ventures to be successful. So and yeah, it's so amazing. And so it, it, please it, subscribe it, it's to it's the Ralph and Report. It's and the as someone who
1: before. has been doing podcasts for nearly two decades, it's the funniest thing you'll find today. Ralph yeah, does a so great job of
0: that show, and I'm honored to be a part of it, yes.
1: When, when you guys have and, – and a lot of the bits, he pushes a lot of the bits. And it's really funny, and I'll, I'll just say that this is so inside because unless you subscribe to that show, you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> I have such a similar uh, – I am such a boring eater. Oh, yeah. And he eviscerates you for, for not eating stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> I wouldn't touch that either. And I'm, I'm going to your, to bat for you. Every time, every time and every time do
0: it. he well it's i'm shocking because i get so many emails from people and stuff on twitter and facebook going i wouldn't eat that either i'm, I'm totally with you i'm a bland eater myself so I, there's, there's people so, out there you're not alone yeah but he makes me feel like i'm the weirdo in the world because <laughs> i don't eat escargot like, like i'm so you... i'm some pie on you know and
1: he, and he does it very dramatically and you know as soon as it happens
0: Oh, he loses and his shit on me. Just,
1: you, know, you know, and they're like, there's no way. And I love that he created that bit. That's, that's very funny. Um, a, lot of, a lot of the things that you guys have done, the, the thing where they, they slow your voice down.
0: Oh, the drunk Eddie's thoughts. Oh my God, <laughs> I sound funny. hammered. But it, again, that comes back to what you were saying at the beginning. Like, you feel like you know us. It's because both of us try to be as real as we can on that show. We try right. to be who we are with like no filter. And just like, we talk about what we really like and what we don't like. And we're as honest as we can be. And all those and bits. His dad come from died,
1: it. and his divorce, and he, he revealed both of them in one show. And oh, I was, I was sitting in my there. car. <laughs> I,
0: I came was, over I, that. I came over that night. Carrie called me that night. She's like, "Yeah, we're going to talk about the divorce and his father." And I'm like, on the same show. i <laughs> like, yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. Do you want me there? Because is that something oh you guys God. should just handle? They're like, no, Ralph wants you there. I'm like, okay. And so I'm just sitting there, like, this is
1: the most heavy show. That was very heavy. That very was... heavy. That was wild. That was, that was wild. Um, no, you guys have a great chemistry, and it's, it's, it's a fantastic show. And like I said, your other podcast, I'm not knocking your other podcast. It's, <laughs> it's, I'm not picking a kid. I literally can say without a shadow of a doubt, the Ralph Report is the funniest thing out there on on oh, nice. uh, uh, as a podcast. It's, that's it's, all, it's that's all Ralph and a little bit me. <laughs> little I appreciate it. Me. A little bit me, but it's mostly <laughs> Ralph. It's mostly Ralph. <laughs>
0: So, how can people uh, find you? Um, you can find me on all the social medias.
1: Uh, all Twitter. Do you have a like uh, a drug of choice? What's your favorite?
0: I'm, I hang out on Twitter and Instagram a lot. Uh, yeah. At Eddie Pence, E D D I E P E N C E. Both of that on, on both of those platforms. Um, you can check out the uh, comedy unspecial if you want to buy that you can go to my website
1: eddiepence.com. we're putting the we're putting the link in the show notes i mean, oh, that there was you go. the whole reason we were having you
0: <laughs> perfect so you can go to my website and you can EddiePence.com you can get the links to all that stuff to my socials and everything so that's the easiest place to go, I would imagine.
1: Oh, it's great! The, the comedy special is—it's funny. the The bit that you do when you're walking around uh, uh, Washington D.C. that's very funny. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, and its it, it, its you could tell it's you. It's—it, you're very um, self-deprecating. You to me, have that's what... no problem because if it for a joke, you will put yourself down, and you have no problem doing it. And there's a certain confidence that you have to have in order to do that.
0: To me, comed- like, ever since I was a kid, watching comedians, comedians, if you can't take a shot at yourself, then you're not allowed to take shots at other people. So I've always been of that thought, like, I gotta, if I can take a shot at myself, then I'm fine taking a shot at you. So I always make sure I take shots at myself.
1: Who is – I knew I said I was wrapping this up. Who is your <laughs> – uh, who uh, who's a comedian uh, that you, like, not idolized, but emulated? I don't know who
0: I emulate as far as st- I know comics that made me want to get into the business. Like I remember being a kid watching Robin Williams do live at the Met on HBO. Uh-huh. And that made me go, I want to do that for a living. Um, I don't think my comedy is anywhere similar to his at all. Uh, you know, I like, I, I, I love watching George Carlin because he was so smart. So cerebral today. I like watching Jim Jeffries. I like watching mm. Bill Burr, um, Dave Chappelle guys like that i don't know if i emulate anybody there's people i respect and i look up to and i want to I, I i strive to be as good as them but i don't know if there's anyone i emulate
1: the uh the dave Chappelle is uh, the one where he's talking about uh kevin spacey and he very deadpan he says uh, you gotta give it up for those those boys they, they you know they held the secret for, for 30 years <laughs> and if they could have just held the secret for six more months I know how House of Cards was supposed to end. And he came out of nowhere. <laughs> I just said, that's, that's a talent. Like, there's no yeah. way to teach that. That's, that's, that's amazing. So good. So I was good. a big uh, Mitch Hedberg fan.
0: Oh, I love Mitch. I saw Mitch Hedberg live one time. I was in Montreal in 2004, and we were, I, was a, I was doing a show up there for the festival, and he was up there. And I was in a small little club, and we were all doing our spots. We all did, like, our 10-minute spots. And like other comics were going up like good comics I respected and I'm like all oh, these guys are monsters they're killing they're killing and then like he goes up and you're like that's when you see like a star you're like oh my god that guy's a next level comedic talent because the way he just obliterated that room and I'm like I was I was just sitting there in the back of the room with my mouth open going I I'll never be this good at anything.
1: I have a uh, reverence I think I've told this story on the podcast before. I have reverence for stand-up. Anybody that can do it—it's a—it's a skill that's amazing. Um, when I was in Seattle, I used to live in Seattle. I worked with the Mariners, and in the late '90s, um, I actually opened. I was—I emceed. I didn't open. I <laughs> emceed uh, for Mitch Hedberg uh, one time because this guy who owned a comedy club that was a fan of our radio station. Um, I had said I wanted to do it and he had a death in the family and he had to leave. And he's like, I got to go. I had, it was, I think it was his father. And he goes, you're, you, can you just do two minutes? And I was like, two minutes. What do I say for two minutes? And I didn't know what to do. And it was literally the longest I agonized and it was the biggest pain I ever felt. And I, I know I can't do, I, I know I can't do play by play. I know, I know what I can and what I can't do. And when I see any comedians doing what they do, the agony that, 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 that the talent that you must have just to stand up there is truly amazing.
0: Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of just not giving a crap about a lot of stuff. Like, it's just like, it's, wild. it's letting stuff roll off your back. Like, you, you're going to bomb. You're going to eat it. People aren't going to laugh, and you just have to get comfortable in that. And then that's how you become a comedian.
1: Uh, it's, it, it's great. Uh, Eddie Pence, you can see him uh, on the Ralph Report on Swing and Miss Swings, swings and, and misses. misses.
0: Swings and Misses on Radio.com. They're com.
1: husband and wife. Yes, they are. Why are oh, you there? <laughs> that's another lost.
0: Cody Becker okay. well,
1: was a professional baseball player. Another, another. They're married.
0: They, wanted, they didn't want to do a show by themselves because they thought it would kill their marriage. So they brought in a third guy <laughs> to a, sort of like be guy. the buffer. So that, I'm the buffer of that show. And, and the, the Ramble? The Ramble with comedian Jerry Roach. You can find that on iTunes and all those other places. Awesome.
1: Please uh, subscribe to all these things and the Ralph Report. Uh, it's what, three bucks for a month? A three minute. bucks for the month. Five, to
0: five shows a week. He, shows he just, a month it's, for three bucks. it's
1: more show and in the pandemic it's hard and i'll go for walks and i'll be listening to episodes and my kids will be like i'll come with you and i'll be like oh okay yeah okay <laughs> tell me about your day that's that's great and i don't listen to the podcast oh I don't, I don't hear it because i'm never kids i don't drive anymore and it, 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 it's very weird uh eddie pence you can find him on social media download that unspecial It's great. You can find it on iTunes and all kinds of other platforms. Yeah. uh, And uh, make sure you check it out. It's great. Eddie, thank you so much. I hope this is not your, your only maiden voyage on the hall of justice. We'd love to have you. back. I'd love to come back. And you definitely need another podcast in your life. (laughs) I do. I do. I have, I have time on Friday afternoon. you go uh thanks to uh eddie pence thank you to everyone especially all the feedback we got for the 200th uh we appreciate all of it and uh again itunes markets podcast based on ratings and reviews and you guys have helped us uh, a hundredfold uh thanks so much this is 201 who knows what the hell we're going to do for 202 i literally have no plan after this (laughs) we'll see you next week You know